Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Welcome to this special recap edition of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. In just a minute, you're going to hear myself and my wife and business partner, AJ, do a debrief recap and summary of our most recent interview with our big takeaways. But before we dive into that, I just wanted to let you know that people often ask us, What is the first step to building a personal brand? And if that is you or someone you know, then you have come to the right place because we have put together for you a free video short course to help you get started. Just visit firststep.brandbuildersgroup.com to get access. In it, we're going to walk you through what exactly is the genesis of a personal brand and the six key questions that every personal brand must be able to answer, but that almost none ever do. So go ahead and visit again, firststep.brandbuildersgroup.com to get started, and we'll see you there. Now on with the recap. Hey, welcome to this special recap edition of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. I'm Rory Vaden, breaking it down solo, our recap. This is our recap episode of Liz Forkin Bohannon, and I am laughing (laughs) because this episode cracked me up. I thought it was so funny because, so, so here is my first big takeaway. All right. So my first big takeaway was verbatim what Liz said, which actually has nothing to do with personal branding. But I thought this was just so profound and powerful and relevant and poignant. And wow, where she said a lot of the problems in the world can be solved with a good job. A lot of the problems in the world can be solved with a good job paying good money, providing good benefits. And the reason I'm laughing is because this transformation, if you listen to the interview, Liz talks about how she was like this nonprofit, bleeding heart, like change the world. I'm going to go serve people to becoming this extreme entrepreneur who's launched now a a huge direct sales, a business that she's turned into a direct sales, multi-level marketing thing that, that she thought she invented the business model. And it's just, it's just hilarious. And it's awesome. And it's profound about the idea that money solves problems, but not just giving people money, teaching people how to make money and creating an opportunity for people to make money. And that to me is just powerful. Again, it has nothing to do with personal branding, which we normally wouldn't share as a takeaway. But I mean, I was inspired because I know that you probably in some way lead to the work that you do creates jobs for people. And so often we think about like, 
the audience that we're impacting or speaking to or the people who are buying our, our products and services. And we think about our own income. But I think this is a good reason and a good moment in time to pause and just go, thank you and congratulations to all the entrepreneurs who create jobs, whether they're full-time jobs or part-time jobs, whether as employees or contractors, but that the work that you're doing as an entrepreneur, as an influencer, as an intrapreneur, maybe who works as part of a, a direct sales company or even as an executive, a corporate executive at a big company, but that your personal brand is serving more than just you. And it is even serving more than your audience. Your personal brand is creating jobs and opportunity for a whole world of vendors and partners and contractors. And one day, if you follow our model and, and we're teaching you, if you get to phase four, where we talk about eight-figure entrepreneur and scaling your personal brand, you're going to be providing lots of jobs. And that's just awesome. That is awesome. That is another reason why we love serving you and helping people create jobs and businesses and side jobs and side hustles and work with people in direct sales because you, when you start a business, you create jobs. And as Liz says, a lot of problems in the world can be solved by providing a good job. So that was, that was a huge kind of unusual takeaway and rare takeaway from the event and just really profoundly impacted me. And I also find it hilarious, kind of the transformation of this journey that she went on. Just awesome. So that's great. So my second big takeaway from this, which was just magical, is going, if you're an entrepreneur, for the purpose of this segment right here, when I say entrepreneur, I'm going to in quotation, say a real entrepreneur. And what I mean by that is going, you're not just a personal brand, right? Like that you're building and monetizing your face and your persona. But if you're truly building a company and a, and a brand name and company equity, and it's not built around your face, most of what we do is you know, the core of our target audience is people who are authors and speakers and coaches and trainers and consultants. And then our secondary, I think, audience is more of like professional services and lawyers and accountants and, and doctors and financial advisors and real estate agents and, and then direct sales. And then I think it, another big part of our audience is corporate executives and then entrepreneurs like Liz, where Liz's main income is coming from her business, which is not selling speaking engagements and video courses and membership sites and books, is from her job and the profits of her company and the salary that she draws. But if you're that kind of an entrepreneur, I don't, real entrepreneur maybe isn't right, but just if you're a classic entrepreneur or a true entrepreneur separate from being a personal brand, take notes of what she said about the power and the importance and the significance and the value of free marketing that personal branding provides to her company, to her corporation, to her brand, to her business, to her, her logo, to her, her exit value, to her asset that is this business that she has built. She said it's remarkable if she could quantify the amount of free marketing opportunity that she has had for her company because of her personal brand. And I think companies and entrepreneurs and big corporations and small businesses are starting to really wake up to this idea 
which a lot of the most successful companies have figured this out long ago, right? Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson, Steve Jobs. These are personal brands that have built huge enterprises and they leverage their personal brand to get media, to create influential relationships and connections, and not to monetize their personal brand in the classic way that we think of it, which is the paids model that we teach and, and the various things that we talk about, but actually monetizing their personal brand through the profits of their enterprise, like of their actual business, the bottom line profits. And I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here a little bit. So we haven't shared this anywhere publicly yet. So you're getting an insider secret, a foreshadowing, a hint at something exciting that is coming that we have officially commissioned and commenced something that we are calling the state of personal branding. And we are in the middle right now of conducting a nationwide survey where we are looking at statistically valid sampling of valid populations to determine the trends and the data and doing an empirical analysis on the trends of in the state of personal branding. And one of the things that we are measuring, and it's tied to this, is do people trust companies more? Or do they trust personal brands more? Do they trust this big giant enterprise and the logo and the history behind all that? Or are they more likely to listen to a person who is an executive at the company or a founder or someone that runs a department or a product line or something like that? And we're fascinated to find out the results. I don't know the answer yet from a data perspective, but we're about to know. And we are going to be releasing this. But if you listen to just what Liz is saying here through kind of her own personal recount, she's going, my personal brand, your personal brand as an entrepreneur gets you access to marketing opportunities and connections and relationships and resources and money that you would not get if you don't have the personal brand. And that is reason enough to do it, especially if you are an early stage startup, especially if you are a, a small business, it's super duper powerful. But, you know, like I said, Richard Branson and Elon Musk, I mean, all these people that we talk about, they're the wealthiest people in the world. I mean, literally, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, the, so the wealthiest people in the world. Use your personal brand to build your business. And I thought what was important tactically for you, real entrepreneur, classic entrepreneur, that if you're listening, is to ask the question, how does this serve my main goal right now? Right, so most of you listening are like me. You're a personal brand. You speak, you write books, you do courses, you do coaching programs, consulting, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then some of you are more professional services, what I would say is kind of like an intrapreneur where it's, it's not fully your own business, but you have your own book of business. You have your own clients and you do your own marketing and sales and service typically, but you're probably not like dealing with P&Ls and stuff like that as much. But then if you're truly running a company, like if you're truly an entrepreneur and you file a 10K every year and, and you have articles of incorporation and, and you have a, a tax ID number for your business entity, it's going, how can I use my personal brand to drive the company profit? And just like you would make investments into advertising and hiring and infrastructure and CRMs and technology, 
you should be making the same type of strategic investments into your personal brand because of the exponential returns that it gets you. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are waking up to this. And for those of you that are more classic personal brands, kind of like as I view myself in many ways, it's realizing that a lot of entrepreneurs start companies because they don't want to be a face. They don't really, they like being sort of behind the scenes and and they want to build something that is kind of independent of them, but it is powerful. And I think entrepreneurs need to learn from personal brands how to leverage their personal brand to throw attention and gasoline on the fire that is their company and to grow their business and personal brands need to learn from entrepreneurs about how to scale and, and incorporate infrastructure and systems and processes and to build things that operate without them. And that's, I think, one of the things that Brand Builders Group does is we sort of sit uniquely at that intersection because of our experience and passion for both entrepreneurship and personal brands. But anyways, if you're an entrepreneur, you got to lighten up about using your personal brand to separate yourself from every other company out there that does what you do. And now is the time and stay tuned for the data on this that is coming from the Brand Builders Group, the state of personal brand study. I can't even hardly contain myself. I'm so excited. You're going to love it. All right. My third takeaway, takeaway number three here was this term pluck that she uses, pluck. It needs some explaining, which you know, from that standpoint, it doesn't pass the clarity test as some of these things that we talk about with titles. But as a concept, the concept that she uses of pluck, I really, really love this because she describes it as a, it's an actual word that means determined and the, it's the determination and the commitment of a beginner. But I also think of it as passion plus luck, which is, you know, pluck. So I'm kind of adapting her term here, but what she said that was super powerful is that beginners have an advantage. So we typically think of beginners having a disadvantage, right? And, and there are some disadvantages, like you got to figure things out. You got to prove that there is a market for what you're doing. You have to find a sales model and, and cash flow a startup and get things off the ground. There's a lot of challenging things about being a beginner. But there are also a lot of advantages to being a beginner. She talks about at least 14 in her book. But this reminds me, this is akin to what Malcolm Gladwell talks about in his book, David and Goliath, which if you've never read, of course, everything that Malcolm Gladwell writes is very fascinating and curious and not as much practical as it is kind of interesting and philosophical, but somehow still applies to a lot of, of things in life. And this is a great example of one. When what he talks about it in David and Goliath is basically how the things we perceive as disadvantages are advantages and how we all think David conquered Goliath and it was like this mighty giant and David was this little like scrawny kid with no armor and no weaponry who takes down this mighty giant, which is true. But he says, he kind of makes the case and walks you through historically what's going on there. You've got this big, whatever, nine foot man out there in the field covered in, in heavy, heavy armor. And David with the little slingshot kind of darting around here and throwing a rock. And David had a lot of experience with this as basically a sheep herder and a shepherd, this was a tool that he used on a regular basis. And, and anyways, it's the way Malcolm Gladwell kind of presents it, or at least causes you to look at it is to go, hey, maybe this wasn't as unfair as we all think about it. And we like to tell the story is that actually you could say David had the advantage. It was a really hot day and he has the advantage of agility. There's advantages. 
And whether or not that's true or you agree with it or you like it, it's a powerful perspective. And here's why this is important. Because you right now in your own life think you have disadvantages. You right now in your own life think there are things about you that you have as weaknesses. And the reality is that every single one of those things could be flipped and turned to an advantage if you just change the way you look at it. And that changes everything. Because whether you're able to turn it into an advantage or not, the fact that you let go of the limiting belief that your perceived disadvantage is really a disadvantage, the fact that you're willing to let that go and you're able to let that go and to say, oh, this could be an advantage, that changes everything. Even if you can't make that disadvantage an advantage, it's the the attitude and the mindset alone of going, just because I'm a beginner doesn't mean I should fail, but to go, because I'm a beginner, I should succeed. I have passion. I have luck. I have fire. I have energy. I have enthusiasm that a company that's doing 50 million in revenue and they're like doing the same thing they've always done. They don't have, they don't have that excitement of like, is it going to work out? Are we going to make it? You know, this is the ground floor. We can do anything. We can pivot quickly. Where new entrepreneurs, new companies, new enterprises, new organizations have that pluck, passion plus luck. But even if it isn't a genuine advantage, the thought and the reality that your disadvantage could be an advantage causes you to erase that disadvantage as a disadvantage and it at least gets you back to neutral. That is huge. That's a huge monumental idea, which I think is very original and powerful that Liz shared and practiced, right? And wrote an entire book on this subject. So where are you allowing yourself to believe that you are at a disadvantage? And how could you rewrite that story to say, no, my disadvantage, my perceived disadvantage or my perceived disadvantages actually are advantages. And in many cases, you can probably turn those into actual advantages. But in any case, and in every case, you let the idea that those disadvantages are really disadvantages, you let the idea of those disadvantages disappear. And in its place, you create opportunity and possibility and creativity and the power to invent or design or build anything that you want. That is what I think of when I think of Liz Bohannon's term, pluck. So go out there, design, innovate, create, turn your disadvantages to advantages, create jobs, keep creating jobs for other people and use your personal brand to grow your business. That's all we got for this episode of the Influential (laughs) Influential Personal Brand Podcast Recap Edition. Stay tuned. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. 
That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation. 